in the gospel accounts, there is a particular account of Jesus, the, the account of Jesus calling his disciples. And on one particular occasion, Jesus comes up to a tax booth, and there's a man sitting on that booth. He's a tax collector, and he looks up to this man, and he says, follow me. And that man's name was Levi. He says, Levi, follow me. We know him better by his other name, Matthew, and he's the one who wrote the gospel of Matthew. And so Jesus called Matthew to follow him. Now, tax collectors were despised, despised. I don't know if you uh, know any tax collectors, and I, I guess tax, the IRS, if you speak of the IRS, everyone just kind of cringes, you know. Ooh, the IRS, you don't want a letter from the IRS. Tax collectors were despised, not only because they collected taxes, but because they were crooked and they were corrupt. And so they were kind of known for that corruption. When Levi decided to follow Jesus, he, right after that, in the Gospels, he threw a huge dinner party and invited everybody over, and it was just a, just a big, big, big party. And he invited Jesus over because so, he wanted everybody to meet Jesus. And that's a good idea. To, uh, if you want to figure out a way that you can share your faith, invite people over for dinner and make sure you tell them what Jesus has done in your life. But that's what Levi decided to do. He wanted everyone to meet Jesus. And so Jesus goes out to the party. Now, there is a section of scripture right after that where the Pharisees confront those that were following Jesus, and they, they said this. It, it's, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 2, verse 16. I'll throw it up on the screen for you. It says, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Good question, right? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, I guess you, you, the way that they put it, you couldn't come up with any more, you know, kind of derogatory way of, you know, why does he eat with those people type of a thing? The reason is because Jesus is genuinely interested in having fellowship and communion and sharing a meal with everyone, with every single person, whether you're a tax collector or a tax evader or a sinner or whatever you are, Jesus is interested in having a meal with you. He wants to know you. He wants to fellowship with you. Right. Irregardless of your situation, irregardless of your occupation, irregardless of your past and the things that you've done, doesn't matter. Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to fellowship, and eat with you. In fact, it's recorded for us in Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, just this, just this fact. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So Jesus is literally at our door. Knocking, wanting to come in, wanting to share a meal, wanting to fellowship with you, wanting to be with you. 
fact, one of our one of our, our great churches in this country, they have we have Java Point is our cafe. If you go out to Harvest Fellowship with Greg Laurie in Riverside, California, you can visit their cafe after church. It's called Cafe 320. And it's named after this very verse of scripture. So Jesus desire is to walk with us, to dine with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. The only problem was that our sin had cut us off from having that fellowship with him. And the only way that we could enjoy fellowship with him, the only way that that fellowship could be restored is if there was a perfect sacrifice made on our behalf, an absolute perfect sacrifice. Now, we're looking at the five Levitical sacrifices uh, in, in, in the Old Testament. There's five. They're right here in Leviticus. And tonight, we're looking at the third one. Uh, the past two weeks, we, we looked at the others. We looked at the burnt offering, the burnt sacrifice. We looked at the grain sacrifice last week. Wow, what a, what a powerful uh, time that we had last week. And tonight, we're talking about the peace sacrifice. The peace sacrifice. Tonight we'll look at the peace sacrifice and we'll see that the peace sacrifice brings three things into our lives. The, the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf had, was so perfect that one sacrifice could not depict it. God had to lay out five different sacrifices in order to fully lay out and describe in detail the perfect complete sacrifice that Jesus would be on our behalf. And part of that sacrifice is that he is our peace sacrifice. And so tonight we're going to look at three things that the peace sacrifice brings into our life. First, if you're taking notes, peace with God brings joy. Peace with God brings joy. Let's pick it up in Leviticus chapter 3. Pick it up verse 1. It says this. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on it, on its head of, of his offering, and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. And then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, liver above the kidneys, he shall remove and Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt, burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. And if he offers as a lamb his, his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. And then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat and the whole fat tail which he shall remove close to the backbone and the fat that covers the entrails and the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fat lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys and he shall remove it and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food 
an offering made by fire to the Lord. And if his offering is a goat, he shall bring it before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on it, on its head, and, and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. And then he shall offer from, its, from his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. That fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. And this shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. Peace with God brings joy. Amen? The purpose of the peace sacrifice, the peace offering, is to emphasize that when you come to worship God, you're going to have peace. When you come and you come and you accept the perfect sacrifice of Christ upon your behalf, peace, you're going to have peace with God. The, the book of Romans, Paul spells out that, that we don't, like without Christ, we don't have peace with God. In fact, there's an enmity there. There's, there's a rub there. There's a friction. There's, there's the, our, our carnal selves, our, ourselves just left to our own devices, we're, we're kind of at enmity with God. But, but, but God doesn't want that. Remember, he stands at the door and knocks. He wants to come in. He wants to fellowship. He wants to have that meal. And so he came down, and he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the burnt offering. He was the grain sacrifice. And he's the peace offering, too. He's the peace sacrifice because he's made peace. And if you've accepted the, the sacrifice of Christ, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you have peace with God. You have peace with God. Peace has been made. There's, there's no longer that enmity. There's no longer that separation. There's no longer that gap or chasm. You, you are with the Lord, and he is with you. Amen? And, and, and the peace of God that we have by virtue of that sacrifice brings joy into our lives. When we have peace with God, we have joy. We have joy in our lives. The peace offering was brought to share with the Lord. And it was, in that sense, it was different than, than the other offerings. You brought this to literally have a meal with the Lord. There was a portion for the priest, there was a portion for the, the Lord, and there was a portion for you to share. And, and it, it, it demonstrated the peace that you have with God because of the atonement that, he's been, that he has made on your behalf. God has covered your sins. The blood has been poured out. The, the appropriation of your sins to that sacrifice has been made. And because that's true, you have peace with him. And so when you bring the peace offering, you share this meal with the Lord. It is kind of like a barbecue. We should have done this message next Saturday night because really, well, maybe this is the, the this is the, this is the, to, you know, the precursor for next Saturday night. This is the, the setup. Okay, uh, because really it was like a barbecue with the Lord. You brought a, a sacrifice that you were going to share with the Lord. Uh, and so there was a portion that was going to be the Lord's, a portion given to the priest, and a portion that was ate by the person bringing the sacrifice. 
And so in that sense, it was not an offering to make peace with God, but an offering to enjoy peace with God. It was that, come, I want to share fellowship with you. I want to eat with you. You see that invitation. Come, if any man uh, opens the door, I will come in. And, and this is what it is. And so you would bring uh, that meal. And isn't this is so much the desire of the Lord that we see recorded all the way through Scripture? And certainly in the person of Christ, as he came, as, as God put on flesh, as the second uh, person of the Trinity put on flesh, and, and he came into this world, um, Jesus is known for eating with people. We read it in the, that open, the verse in the intro about the, the, tax, uh, the, the, uh, the Pharisees questioning, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? He's just going around eating with these people. What's he doing? What's he doing? Jesus was known for eating with people. He ate at Matthew's house. He ate with, uh, he ate at his disciples. He ate with his disciples. Uh, he, remember when he called Zacchaeus in Jericho? Right. You know, short little guy, right? You know, crowd, crowded streets and a little guy couldn't see Jesus. He was a tax collector, right? He gets up into a tree. And he's trying to see Jesus, and Jesus comes up to the tree, says, come down, I'm going to your house to eat. You see this, Jesus wants to eat with you, amen? Jesus loves you, he wants to eat with you. You say, well, no one wants to eat with me, no one wants to be with me, I got no friends. You got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You got someone that's knocking at your door right now, he wants to be with you. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So we've got to realize, Christian, we wake up every day and we have the opportunity to share that fellowship with the Lord. You are not alone. You are not alone if you're a believer. You're never alone in that sense. We even see Jesus after he had gone to the cross uh, he had, and, and, and was resurrected. We see that scene where Jesus appears to the disciples and on the shores of Galilee, and what, after they figure out that it's Jesus, <laughs> you know, and there's this catch of fish, what does Jesus do? He, fix every, he fixes everybody breakfast. Amen? Breakfast with Jesus. Breakfast with Jesus, lunch with Jesus, dinner with Jesus, midnight snack with Jesus. What a, I mean, Jesus wants to fellowship with you. He wants to walk. We used to sing a song. He walks with us. He talks with us. He's, he's with us along life's narrow way. I, forget, I, I can't remember the lyric. But anyways, we used to sing that song because the truth of the matter is that God wants to be with you. We see this. Not only do we see it countless, we could go through all these occurrences in the Gospels, but this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. This goes all the way back to Genesis, and I want to remind you of a particular passage in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and there is Abraham and Sarah, and they have their tent complex, and Abram sees three guys coming, and he sees one, and he kind of says, oh my goodness, oh goodness, runs, gets Sarah, hurry up, get, get some food going, get some, get some of your specialty going. He, she goes out, kick, uh, cooks some meal, cooks some uh, 
uh, sacrifice, <laughs> you know, gets a goat going and, and, and all this. And, and what you have in Genesis 18, we don't have time to, to go through that chapter, but you have literally Jesus and two angels. This is, a, this is what's called a Christophany in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a, it's a pre-incarnate sighting of Jesus in the Old Testament. You have Jesus with two angels that come and literally have a meal, and they sit under a tree there with Abram, and they just chew the fat. <laughs> I guess, well, Jesus chewed the fat, and Abraham just sat and goes, oh, wow, this is interesting. Now you say, well, how do you know? How do you know that it was the Lord? Well, you read the whole chapter. The context tells you that that it was the Lord because they go into a, they go into a discussion uh, where Abraham pleads with the Lord for Sodom. You see, the Lord had come with the two angels. The two angels were on assignment to go and, and, um, and bring the destruction upon Sodom and bring the righteous out. And the only ones they ended up bringing out were, were Lot and uh, his two daughters and his wife didn't make it out. Uh, and, uh, and that was it. And so you have the Lord eating with Abraham. And this is why in John chapter 8, when Jesus is explaining, well, look, you know, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then that's why they look at him and say, what? You're, you're nuts. You're crazy. You're not even 50 years old, and you've seen Jesus? You've seen Abraham? Yeah, we, we had a meal. He, he didn't say this in John 8, but he could have. Yeah, we had a meal under the mammary tree. We shared, you know, Sarah cooked up a mean goat, barbecued goat, and the whole thing. It was great. We talked about what was going to happen to Sodom. It was a whole discussion. You see, Jesus wants to be with us, and he wants to fellowship with us, and you don't know what God's going to share with you. You don't know what God's going to just drop into your heart and that still small voice as, as we continue to meet with him. Amen? So where there is peace, where we have peace and we celebrate the peace that we have with God, there should be this accompanying joy. If, if you have peace in Christ, there is joy. And eating and drinking and fellowship are signs of the peace that exists. So if you don't have joy in your life, I, I can only come to this conclusion. Either you're not saved or you're not allowing the peace of God that passes understanding to rule in your heart and that will overcome and overpower any situation. That's why the peace of God is not subject to the circumstances. Oh, we can be mournful and sorrowful. There's, there's things that we mourn over and that we're sorrowful. But even in those things, we can be joyful. We can have the joy of the Lord. Why? Because we have peace with God. It, it, it is well with our soul in that sense. Amen? And, and eating and drinking and fellowship are signs of the peace that exists. When there is a separation or strife in your life, it's hard to eat. People that go through difficult relational circumstances can sometimes lose a lot of weight. You see people that go through separations and things where they uh, just, you know, they, they, they can't eat. Why? Because where there's no peace, there's a loss of the appetite. Uh, 
and 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 the and um, the that friction and the and that joy is kind of sucked out. But when there's when there's when there's peace ruling and reigning in our life, the peace of the Lord, then there's the joy of the Lord. And where there's the joy of the Lord, there's that fellowship with the Lord, and we have that 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 type of fellowship with the Lord. So joy is a sign of peace, really, in that sense. Joy is a sign of the peace that we have with Christ. And, we, and so we bring the, the sacrifice, the peace sacrifice. And, and I guess it's kind of our, our responsibility in that sense. You know, even in, the, even in the verse in Revelation, you know, you see Jesus, he's making the effort. You know, he... he Obviously, right? I mean, that's kind of like, oh, really? Very good, preacher. You know, Jesus made the effort. Yeah, he made the effort. He did it. He came down from heaven. He was born as a babe in Bethlehem. He went through the whole thing, lived the life, uh, you know, fulfilled the law, went to the cross, but he's still doing the work. He's knocking at your door. He's knocking at your door, but there is a responsibility that we have in that verse, right? He says, if anyone opens the door, if anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will be with him and he with me and we'll dine together. And so we've got we've to open up the door to Christ. And so I would just ask you tonight, have you opened up the door? Have you opened up the door to the Lord? Um, is, is there anything that, you know, if you looked in your life right now and you, set, and you ask yourself a couple questions, do I have peace with God? Do I have joy? Do I have the joy of the Lord? In my life, do I have the joy that the Bible speaks of that, that passes all understanding, literally that, that surpasses understanding that even in the face of, 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 of horrific tragedy that Christians can stand there and say, this is a tragedy, but, but the Lord is with me and, and, and a peace that overcomes. Do you have that? Is that? Can you say tonight that that is what would characterize your life? And if, there, if there's any reason why you wouldn't say that would characterize your life, I want to just ask you, what is it? What is it that is in the way of you experiencing that peace with God and that joy in the Holy Spirit? Because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. That is what it's all about. It's about peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he wants you to have that. He wants you to have that. And, you know, in that verse that I just quoted, I I actually just quoted a a verse from Romans. You didn't know it because I didn't tell you, but those of you who knew, knew. The first part of that verse is the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, right? Because it's, it's, it, it, that's, that, that's the, that's the residual, Right? We don't get caught up in the eating and drinking. We, we get caught up with the fact that we have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and therefore, we have this fellowship with God. We have this eating and drinking and this celebrating Jesus in our lives. Amen? So what is it? What is it in your life? Whatever is affecting your joy, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord tonight. Would you do that? I want to encourage you, whatever it is that is stopping you from having peace in your life, whatever is creating strife, I want you to, I, I implore you. I, you know, I, I, like Paul said, I beseech you. <laughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters, give it to the Lord tonight. Lay it down at the feet of Christ. Jesus said, come unto me, 
for my burden is light. My burden is light. In fact, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now the question is, why is it light? Why is his burden light? You know, some people say, well, I, I don't know about having peace with Jesus. I don't know how having fellowship with Jesus and all that. That seems hard and that seems heavy. And that seems, no, he says, come unto me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Why? Why is it light? It's light because he's the one that's bearing the burden. He's the one that did the work. He, 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 he's the ox of the sacrifice. He's the, he's the selection from the, from the herd that's going to bear the burden that, 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 that is that beast of burden. He's the one that's going to carry you. And, and, and when, he, when, when he's carrying your burden, we can be full of joy. When Jesus is carrying your burden, we can be full of joy. And his burden, his, his burden is light. Amen? Amen? So the peace sacrifice is eating with and fellowshipping with God and celebrating the peace that we have and it brings forth the joy of the Lord. Secondly, peace with God brings fulfillment. The peace offering could be brought of the herd of the flock. It could be of a male or female. Uh, and there was a procedure. The procedure was generally the same uh, that you saw. There was the, the, the placing the hand upon the sacrifice. There was the presentation and all that. And then there was kind of a different procedure that we saw from the burnt sacrifice. So we saw this, and, and whenever you see scripture, sometimes you feel like, okay, this is being, like, didn't they already say this? And now I'm saying it three times, and I'm trying to have a devotion, and my, my through the year Bible has me reading Leviticus 3 today, and, and, and um, I'm trying to get through this, and all I'm reading, I, I feel like I'm reading the same thing over and over again, because it's talking about taking the kidneys, and the fat of the kidneys, and the fat of the liver, and the fat of the entrails, and the fat of the... And then you get down a few verses, and then it starts saying the same thing, and you're, wait, 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 wait. I mean, couldn't Jesus just say, like, you know, ditto, 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 <laughs> you know? No, he couldn't do that because he's driving home a point. He's driving home a point. The point is, and you get to it all the way at the end of the chapter where it says in the end of verse 16, he says, all the fat is the Lord's. Look at that, the end of verse 16. All the fat is the Lord's. They say, okay, I'll give you my fat, Lord. I don't want my fat. I never wanted it to begin with. You can have it. You can have it. I've been trying to diet and eating, you know, grass and stuff, you know. Kale. Don't get me going on Kale. These kale salads, I'll never understand. It was a garnish and now it's a salad. But he says, all the fat's the Lord's. Now, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? The fat is considered like the best part. Like when you go out for a steak. Some 
You want some marbling on that bad boy, right? You don't want this lean. Hey, I got this super lean ground chuck once. I said, yeah, Mary Jo, get, fix these up. There was no grease. There was no taste. There was no, it's like it was a pointless burger. You don't want that. That, that fat is considered the best part. But we're going to have a feast with the Lord. And he's saying all the, all the fat is the Lord's. And so I want to know one thing. I want to know why is Jesus taking all the best part? <laughs> and I think it's, he's coming up and drilling home of a fantastic point. When you follow the Lord and you bring the sacrifices of God, people will think in their minds, well, if I do the God thing, if I do that Jesus thing, then that's going to be taking away from my life, right? That's going to be taking freedom away from me. That's going to be taking stuff away from me. That's going to be taking away from my life. And I think what Jesus is saying in the peace offering is, no, I want you to learn to give me in this particular offering, not in everything, you can have some fat, you can have some marbled steak, but in this peace offering, I want you to learn how to give me the fat and learn how you're gonna be completely satisfied in me. And not realizing that although you might in the carnality of your mind think that obeying the Lord is taking away from your life, that when you obey the Lord and give him what he commands, that you are ab absolutely going to be 100% satisfied in your life and you are going to be fulfilled. It's not going to be taking away from your life, but it's going to be adding to your life the fulfillment and, and, and the satisfaction of knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord. And that's it. And you go and you talk to people and they say, well, I'm not, I don't do that Jesus thing and all that. Because they want to go and do and they think that it's going to be taking away from their life. Mm -hmm. And literally nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. You come to realize that God is, is teaching us to obey him. And when we obey him, because you have to, like, to bring this, you have to literally, okay, make sure you get the fat of the kidney. Make sure you get the fat of the liver. Make sure you get that fat in the entrails. and Get all that fat. Give it to Jesus. You're learning to obey the Lord. You're learning to, to walk in the word. You're learning to obey the commands. And when we obey the commands and we have peace with Christ, we realize that God has been protecting us all along. This is what the world doesn't get about the boundaries that God puts on sexuality. This is fundamentally what the world does not understand about the boundaries that God puts on sexuality. No, I want to do and I want to do and this is what and I'm made this way and whatever. And God says, look, if you'll learn to obey me, you're going to be fulfilled. You're going to be fulfilled. And now we've got just full-blown confusion going on in our world. I would have never believed in a million years, and all of you sitting here probably would agree with me, would you have ever thought we would be at a place in our country where you can't even really, it, it's, it's literally up for grabs what a woman is, what a man is, 
What, 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 what is it that defines a woman? If, if anybody can be a woman, then there's no such thing as a woman. We have to see this as an assault on the word of God. This is an assault on what God's word lays out. And no one is ever going to be satisfied with that. You can say, oh, well, I want to go and do, and I want to, into my mind, and I want to choose that. If everybody can be a woman, then no one's a woman. And that's why this craziness that's going on, you've got boys winning the track championships in female sports. This is pure insanity. Pure insanity. And God would step back into the picture. He would step back into the picture and he would say, if you want peace in your life, you want to come and and have peace in your heart, peace with God. You want to have that. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Take my yoke upon you. I will bear the burden. My burden is light. And, and that's what God is doing. He's protecting. He's fulfilling. He's teaching us to obey. And he, he's, he's wanting to, to just protect us. Amen? So the peace, so the peace, peace with God brings fulfillment and satisfaction in that sense. And then lastly tonight, peace with God brings communion. Peace with God brings communion. This is how we have communion with God. He asks us to eat the sacrifice. How we have communion with God, how we have relationship with God, he, he invites us to come. He, he, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and eat. Okay, that's how he put it in the letter to to the Laodiceans, right? In John chapter six, he said it this way. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. You have no part with me. And so he invites us to come. Now, when Jesus said that in John chapter 6, you read that chapter. He confused them too. Because that's kind of a, okay, what do you mean, Lord? What do you mean? It's a hard saying. What are you talking about? Is he talking about some type of a cannibalism? Is he talking about some type of a weird eating your flesh, drinking your... No, it's feasting upon the sacrifice of Christ. Feasting upon the person of Christ appropriating the sacrifice to your life. Amen? And this is how we have communion with God. And so we, we, take, we partake of communion. We did that last Saturday night, right? Mm-hmm. And we had, the, we had the, the bread and we had the cup. And, we, and Jesus taught us to eat. We call that communion. It's really like that thanksgiving, that... That, that, that communion, that fellowship with Christ, right? And there was this kind of understanding in the way that they would do the communion meal or the Passover that, uh, you know, they would take from the bread and they would take a piece of the bread and they would break it. You see, when Jesus, you know, in the upper room, when he took the bread, he broke it. And he gave it, right? So he gave it, he gave it to them from a piece of, from a loaf. And, and there was this kind of understanding that 
if, if you ate from the, from the loaf and, and I ate from the loaf and you ate from the loaf and you ate from the loaf, that we were kind of all kind of in this spiritual way, we were all kind of together in that meal. And that's why the idea of companionship and breaking bread is such a big thing. The, the I, literal idea of companionship is to share bread, compan. It's literally to share bread, to break bread. And so that's what would happen. And so Jesus takes the bread and he says, and he breaks it and he says, this is my body, <laughs> which is broken for you, right? And so he gives a piece of it to you and a piece of it to you and a piece of it to you and a piece of it to me. And so we all partake of that bread and we all partake of the body and we partake of the cup. He says, this cup is a new covenant, a new testament in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And so we partake of the blood of Christ and therefore we're, we're appropriating the, the gospel to our lives. We're, t- we're appropriating the sacrifice to our lives. And this comes all the way full circle, right? Because the, the disobedience that brought sin into the world was an act of eating. They ate of the tree in which they were commanded not to eat. The act that brings you life in Christ is also an act of eating. It's partaking of the bread of life and the cup of Christ. It's partaking and feasting upon the sacrifice of Christ. Obeying the gospel is appropriating the sacrifice, and it is a beautiful uh, parallel, really, um, when you see it that way. And so to bring this all full circle... And I like to do that, right? Because I don't like to leave like little dangling participles here or there. <laughs> Not only are we as Christians having a partaking of Christ, we're having a, a, a daily fellowship with the Lord, but we're headed for a feast. Amen. We're headed for a, for a supper. We're headed for a meal. Yes. The Bible refers to it as the marriage supper of the Lamb, the marriage. I don't know. No one... Supper clubs and stuff. Supper. I mean, maybe what would be the modern, the 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 the, um. I don't know. I I won't try to. Anyways, a supper club used to be like kind of like a you know that was oh yeah supper club that was a kind of a highfalutin thing yeah. So the marriage supper of the Lamb is where we're headed. The only thing is in heaven we experience. The fellowship of God with Christ in in absolute fullness, the fullness with Christ. We're headed to a meal in heaven, and we pick it up in Revelation chapter 19. I'll throw that verse on the screen, and we'll end with this. It's Revelation 19, verse 6 and 7. Now, do we have it up there? Okay. This is the verse of Scripture where it says, hallelujah, okay? This, This is the, okay. I love this, all right? This is the culmination of God bringing the people of God to himself and all those that have rejected him have have not come in. And so all those that have made war with Christ and they have warred with him and warred with him, he has brought forth his wrath upon the earth. And there's this culmination of this battle with Babylon. And this whole thing happens. And the saints in heaven rise up. And there's this shout of hallelujah. 
I, I, I didn't even really set that up right. I, I didn't do justice to that because you have to read the book of Revelation and you have to see it building from chapter six and seven and eight and nine and all the, 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 the bowls and the vials and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, the, the seals being un, unsealed. And you have to see this whole thing happen until God finally completes the victory and the, and the, and the saints in heaven literally shout, hallelujah. Praise God. And look at this. This is, this is from Handel's Messiah. Handel made this. This is the hallelujah chorus, okay? It was the hallelujah chorus before there was ever a Handel. Yes. <laughs> okay? This is the hallelujah chorus that became the hallelujah chorus. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. The marriage of the lamb. So this is where we're headed. We're, we've got Jesus who's the, the conquering king. He's the victor and he makes us all victors in him. And we're headed to, we're, we're enjoying fellowship. We're enjoying a meal. We're headed to that perpetual fellowship with him. And it's because he made peace with us by offering himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross. And aren't you thankful for that tonight?